back to another episode of Benefits Buzz. I'm your host, Tucker Lucas, and with me as always is co-host Kelsey Burgad. Good morning, Kelsey. Hey, Tucker. Today we're talking about the support structure that a viable sales team needs at a healthy company. We've got Kate Bjorkland here. She is our sales enablement manager, and she's going to share a little bit more about her role, what she does on a day-to-day basis to support the sales team, and what value she brings to our company. And she's not the only expert in the room on this topic. This is also part of your role here at Discovery Benefits. It is. I am channel marketing. My job is to make sure that our consultant and broker partners know everything about Discovery Benefits, what's going on, what's trending, you know, what improvements we're making in the process to make their lives and their clients' lives easier. This episode is full of a ton of useful information. If you are an employer who has a sales staff or if you are about to join a sales staff as an up-and-coming salesperson, listen in. Kate, when I think of a salesperson, I think of, you know, a globe-trotting, man or woman in a suit getting on an airplane going out making deals and that's definitely a part of it <laughs> right but there mm-hmm. is that's in reality though that's just the tip of the iceberg for a sales operation at a company so help us fill in what's below the surface of the water here you know what at, at a starting point maybe what are some basic needs that a sales team is looking for for support for support or like my wish list salesperson quality. Let's do both. Ooh. Um, well, first of all, yes, globe trotting, fun, excitement, uh, first class travelers. Mm-hmm. Those are some things I think that people get excited about and love thinking about. But I think the reality of that is there's always a flip side, right? So it's hard work, ton of time away from family. Um, living out of a suitcase, quick trips. I mean, I'm talking quick trips. Get on a plane, go to a meeting, get back on a plane. Exactly. Um, So sometimes I think we channel this glamour and excitement of it all. And I think that's initially what people are drawn to about the role. But then the reality of it is, is like you said, there's a ton of hard work behind the scenes and ton of support for that salesperson to go nail the presentation or the finalist or connect deeply with a consultant um, that we maybe don't see behind the scenes because we only see the flashy stuff, right? Um, so when we're talking about wish list, or I mean specifically about discovery benefits, what we look for in salespeople, number one, first and foremost, is going to be growth mindset. So everything that we do is focused around that. Um, how to get better, how to take constructive criticism to get better at what you're saying, what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, learn from each other. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing that we say to each other and hold each other accountable to is we have not arrived. No one on our team has arrived. And that is from the top down. So even our um, Can SVP you unpack that a little bit more? What is What, what does that mean specifically? Yeah, no so arrived. for me, that just means no one is who they're meant to be forever. So whether it's personally or professionally, we're constantly looking to grow and to change and to be open and to do better and be better and expect more from each other and want to be more for each other that no one has arrived. So when we put that into context professionally, If you're giving feedback to a salesperson and they have the mindset that they have arrived, they're the seller that they're always going to be and they have arrived, then that feedback doesn't hit them in 
exactly the right way. They might not have you know, an open heart to accept it. They might ha- not have the wherewithal to um, channel that feedback, take it to heart, change something in their story, change verbiage, and really execute on that the next time they're telling a story to make them better, or to, to help them connect more deeply with their audience. So when, when we are getting feedback, for example, it's just, that's just top of mind for me. Like no one is above feedback. I give it and receive it. That's great. Um, I also think it comes into, I mean, what we talked about with John a few episodes ago, I think it was episode one about servant leadership and being able to lead up or lead across. So the most veteran sellers are still learning from people who just hit the road for the first time. So you need to basically stay in a mindset that allows for aha moments to happen. Absolutely. For growth to happen. That, Love it. That regardless of how talented or masterful you might be at something, you can, you're still a student. You'll always be a student and you should be a student because that 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 leads to growth. Why don't we dive a little bit more concretely into the support structure for that sales team that helps them helps them do that. And let's just start with the roles that each of you have. So could you each sort of explain in a little more detail, you know, your position here at Discovery Benefits, what it is your role entails and why it's important for a sales team and uh, paper, rock, scissors, who wants to go first? Um, I'm terrible at paper, rock, scissors, so you should just go first. first. Okay. (laughs) The way that I describe my role to someone who maybe has never heard of sales enablement before is that I am responsible for the words that are coming out of our sellers' mouths, which is a catch-22, right? That's really cool, (laughs) but that's also really scary if I'm being honest. So, um, but that's how I describe it. Give a few examples of some of the things you work on on a day-to-day basis to support the sales team. Sure. So I think number one, I spend time with the team. So what does that mean? That could mean anything from um, practicing stories. So um, what's a new story that we've been practicing lately? Participant behavioral analysis. Right. So we launched into the participant behavioral analysis. Uh, We know that resonates really well with our consultants and employers, but how you frame up that story of why we dove into it and what have we found and what have we made changes to our business based on the stats and data that we've found, they can land totally differently um, depending on who's who's saying it. So spending some time with our team, um, practicing that because we know that when they're in performance mode, so when they're in finalist mode or they're having these crucial um, interactions with a client or, or a um, consultant, they're in performance mode. So that's not the best time to try out something new for the first time. And so we, we try to really give them scheduled time to be in practice mode. So that comes in, you know, time like that, just having conversations and free flowing. And I love how you said that, or Ooh, let's tweak that just a little bit and really like getting that message so that it feels really comfortable coming out of that individual seller's mouth. So when I say I'm responsible for the words coming out of their mouth, that's true. But Also keep in mind that each seller is different and unique and has their own complete personality and take on different things. So it's really that quality time with me helps me get to know the seller and what sounds natural for them and then really encourage them in that space. Absolutely. And I think too, you're, you and I work very closely together to um, determine the stats behind the story. Mm -hmm. So when we speak about the participant behavioral analysis, what changes did discovery benefits make to improve 
the client or consumer experience and what stats do we have to support that story. So sales individuals do not have time to um, work with other teams within the company to you know, find those stats yeah, and understand all the ins and outs. So that's really where Kate comes in and you do such a great job of working with every team in this company and weaving that story together and helping them communicate that to our clients. You're sweet. Well, I appreciate that. Um, But, you know, when we're talking building and maintaining relationships, mine are internal. So I look at myself a little bit in the same vein as a seller building and maintaining relationships, but mine are all internal. So when we go to a team and we need stats or we need to understand why we did something and how it's shaped our business, not every team has that same sales hat on that then wants to share that story with the world. So um, pushing our teams and trying to get that information and um, putting our spin on it so that it makes sense to the right audience. yeah, that's definitely another avenue that I work in for sure. But also, um, so if it's not just practicing stories, it's it's sitting in on a lot of phone calls and listening hours. So I, I track a lot of time behind the scenes. Just And I, I, I always explain it to a new seller. It's a luxury that I have this time. I don't have to be actively listening because I'm not responsible for turning around after I've heard something and responding to it. All I, I get the luxury of just listening taking notes, hearing things differently than someone else might. Have you thought of messaging it this way? When this consultant asks this question, here's the train of thought that I might go on. How is that compare and contrast that to what you did? You went here, here, here. Another area of your role that I think is very important and that, you know, our listeners would understand and value is that you keep up with trends and industry news. And it's really your job to make sure that the sales team knows what's going on at key times, like when it's important to them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, it's a huge, that part of it in in and of itself is a huge portion of the role, but certainly I don't do that alone. I'd count on a ton of different teams across the company to help bring those things to light. Um, But one specifically that comes up, there's a couple of new HRAs that are coming out. And so the team gets really excited. We love shiny things. We love new things in our space, right? I'm guilty of it too. I love the shiny, new, fun, different, be the first person to talk about this. So I'm guilty of that as well. But, um, you know, working with our other internal teams to really understand what the the letter of the law is on these two new HRAs. And, And then, Um, how do I take all of that information and then I put on my sales hat and I have to say, what does our team actually need to know? I think that's a great segue into what I do to support the sales team because Kate and I work very closely together, sales enablement and channel marketing, super closely. Super close. So my role is to make sure our broker and consultant partners know everything that's going on in our industry, what's going on with discovery benefits, what's new, you know, the shiny things. Um, And I think it's very similar for Kate and I, where her role is to make sure the sales team knows those important things and at the right time. And it's also important for me to tell our broker and consultant partners, but at the right time. And I think it's great that you said, you know, our compliance team might need to know the ins and outs of every piece, but does our channel need to know that? Do our broker and consultant partners need to know every piece or what are the key things that they do need to know? 
um, and how it's valuable to them and their clients. So I would say for the listeners today, if you're thinking about your sales team and a support staff for your sales team, it's important to think about the audience. It's important to think about what they need to know and when, how much of it they need to know, and then ultimately how to get them to trust the rest of the sales support team um, for the nitty gritty deep details. So, so both of you really have roles that are part of, you know, a, a strategy to help a sales team succeed. But what are some examples that you may have seen of other companies that unintentionally set up their sales teams to fail? I don't know if I have a specific example of a company that set up their sales team to fail. I would hope that there aren't any out I mean, there. it's unintentional, right? Absolutely. Like, like a way you Absolutely. do it without realizing it. But what I think about when I think about setting up your sales team to fail, I think about um, giving your sales team a big number, giving them a number they have to hit, and then not having the support behind that sales team to actually make it happen. Um, so I think about, you know, what our sales team is out there selling. They're selling our customer service. They're selling our technology. They're selling our products. And without our participant services team who comes in every day and they pick up the phones and they know the answers to all of those questions, they're on chat, they're on email. Without our um, key account executives, our account executives, our implementation team, it's not possible. And it, it's even down to, you know, our claims specialists who are approving claims. It takes a village. I know that's a cliche, but it takes a village. And if those people- It's a cliche because it's true. It's true. And if, if those people aren't set up to succeed, if they don't have the staff on those teams to support all of the, you know, the sales coming through, then we're not able to sell. Oh, 100%. And and I know I've, I've heard our sales team say, and we'll serve up stats around how our teams are performing. So here's a turnaround time on- calls and emails and just to have a beat on where we're at and not because we're checking in on other teams, but because it builds confidence in our sales team. They so wholeheartedly believe in discovery benefits and what we're selling, like wholeheartedly, that if there's ever something that pops up where they don't feel right about it, it, it doesn't work for them. They have to believe in one, our company, and two, our product, and three, our people, in order for that message to come across, in order for us to actually sell. We're not asking them to sell something that they don't believe in. We would never do that as an organization. So I think that's maybe one. Tucker, to, re- to bring that back to the question that you asked. And then two, other companies that I've heard of that have sales teams that have goals that they have to meet, there could be some type of a, if you don't, if you don't meet this goal, then. And so one of the things that we work really hard to cultivate on the sales team is that positive team player in it for each other. At the end of the day, every salesperson is a little bit in it for themselves. They have the number to attach to their name, and I'm not faulting them by any means for that. They're responsible for selling whatever their goal is. And, and that's a little bit unique to that sales space where we don't see people in other avenues of our company that have that exact same goal that's so apparent and prevalent um, to success or you know per- deemed per- success. Um, and so that could be looked at as a detriment, I think. If, if you don't meet this goal, 
what comes next. Well, what does that build into a salesperson that builds in a fear-based mindset, which is totally opposite than what we want in a growth mindset. They're not in it for each other. We encourage our sellers to help each other out, whether it's um, reviewing sales, uh, deals out there, engaging experts. Strategy. Going, yep, strategy. Um, specific scenarios that someone else might have found success in. Like we encourage that behavior. But if you're if you're afraid, then you might not be open to that type of feedback, conversation, kind of like teamwork, because you're worried about yourself at the end of the day. So I don't know if I frame that up very well. No, I but think that makes sense. Yeah. Something to to be mindful of that I could definitely see affecting a sales team or a sales organization in a negative way. Kate, let's talk a little bit about some of the tools, um, ideas you've you've implemented since you started in this role, what, eight months ago? Um, what are some of the things that you do to support the sales team? Sure. So one of the things that the team has really enjoyed is... Um, we use a software called HireView and it helps us to scale messaging. So I think originally they might do something with interviews. Um, if you're looking into it, it's H-I-R-E-V-U-E. So it's spelt a little bit differently. But what it helps us do is really um, focus in on that practice portion versus performance. So we might have a seller record a message or a theory or what happened. And we call those waffles. So um, I don't actually know. Everybody always asks me, why is it called waffle? And I don't know how Tucker, we... if you had to guess, why would you say it's called a waffle? Yeah. Waffles are delicious. Waffles are delicious. <laughs> They're a hearty way to start your day. Like, don't waffle on your answer. Don't waffle on your answer. So we're, we're by doing these waffles, they're like pretty quick. Um, I would say they go range from 30 seconds to two minutes and we highlight someone doing really well on the team. So share with us your message around X, Y, Z. I think you call it what great looks like. And I love that. Yeah. What great looks like. So we highlight a person on our team, which is cool to highlight and a doer. They feel really great that they're being highlighted, but then we're also spreading that message. So that's one thing that we've done. Um, another thing that we've done that we haven't touched on so far today are messaging and awareness emails. So I don't know about everybody else out there, but I feel like our organization, there's things that just happen so quickly and scaling that across 57 people has been a challenge in the past. And so these messaging and awareness emails tell our team, if you're going to read any email this week, that's from an internal resource please let it be this one email. Mm -hmm. And so it's what you need to know. It's the it's the the top three things. It's not everything. It's, it's the not, skinny. It's the skinny, yes. Great way to say it. So that has anything from software releases to new content that's available to regulation updates and changes. Um, really anything that could hit our, our entire company here's what you need to know while you're on the road. So that's that's gone a long way because prior to my role, it just, everything all came at them from every angle. And that was one, really hard to keep up with. But then two, a lot of times the team wouldn't read everything or understand it because it had so many details in it that they just weren't able to grasp. Like, that's great that we have a new HRA in place, but 
how am but I what supposed do I really to need talk to know about it? Yeah. And like, how frequent is this going to come up in conversation? Like, how deep do I really need to be able to go? So those are like some little things that we've done um, that have really made a big impact on the team. One of the other things we use is Airtable. Um, we use that as like a data or I don't know how to even phrase it, but um, it's a tool where you can load all of your collateral or marketing materials for the team and they can easily access it from anywhere. So it's just a website. They can um, filter it down by what product the collateral piece is geared toward, um, what audience it's geared toward, and then they can download it and share it so easily. So Airtable, I think, is really valuable. Huge, huge um, one. And we really had to listen to the team on that one, too. We had a different solution for them to use, and their feedback was, it's too hard, it's too many clicks to get into, we can't access it on the road. So if you're looking, if you're another sales organization, if you're not going to make your content easy and easy to use, find, access, digest, your team is just not going to use it. When I think about sales support, I don't just think about Kate and I because we are no God, no, we are not the only ones. Um, I also think about our channel success managers. That's another area of our sales team that really is, is so supportive. They're there for our broker and consultant channel whenever they need them. Um, our sales coordinators. These, this team, I can't even say enough about them. And then our, we have a partner team, our partner success managers. So they focus on um, our partnerships around um, HRIS, Ben Admin, payroll vendors. And then on top of that, Tucker, shout out to you. Technically, you are sales support because all of the videos, this podcast, um, you know, everything that you do every day supports the sales team too. Well, that makes me feel, you're, you know what? You're sweet. <laughs> oh, see. Are there any resources outside of today's podcast that you would recommend people check out? Any books or any resources that have helped you in your journey in this process? Yeah, so I would say anything um, Harvard Business Review, they do a ton of articles out there on feedback and how to give feedback and what the what to be aware of when you're giving feedback. I would say The Power of a Positive Team. That's a great book that I think I highlighted the entire thing. At some point I was like, <laughs> I should stop highlighting because it's not valuable anymore. <laughs> and I like the also, sections you don't want to remember. Yeah. <laughs> and also she broke her highlighter when she was highlighting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Went through a six pack. <laughs> It's a great book. I would recommend it. I know some of our sales teams have done actual book studies on it as a group. Um, so I love that book. And then I actually listened to another podcast by Adam Grant. It's called Work Life. And I think they're, even though this, the title of the episode might not be something you think is going to, you know, give you an aha moment or click for you. I think every single episode I've gotten something out of it. And I, I really love what he does. So, And also check out previous episodes of Benefits Buzz. We here at Discovery Benefits are in the business of simplifying the world of employee benefits. Although we hope today's episode sparks some aha moments for you, we cannot provide legal investment or financial advice related to the plans we administer, and nothing shared in this podcast should be interpreted as such. We encourage you to seek appropriate professional advice regarding your plan. If you want more information on Discovery Benefits, check us out online, www.discoverybenefits.com. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we are on LinkedIn. In check us out today. New episodes of Benefits Buzz are available every Monday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, basically everywhere you consume the podcast that you love. Again, for Benefits Buzz, a Discovery Benefits podcast, I'm Tucker Lucas. With me, as always, is Kelsey Burgad, and we will see you again the next episode.